Hello everyone, welcome to Fuel Talk. Uh, this is episode number 22. Um, we are at the Cuppa at 2.15 in Russell, uh, another favourite of the Fuel Talk podcast. Um, Fuel Talks where we uh, interview cyclists, triathletes, pro athletes, recreational athletes, aspiring athletes, entrepreneurs, coaches, anyone who's got basically a love for endurance sports and we like to find out what fuels them. Um, this week I've got uh, Max Jones here. Um, he's going to be talking about a lot of stuff. He's a pretty good triathlete. He had a good result yesterday, so I'm sure we'll be getting into that that race he just had. Um, he's also a certified physical therapist, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of his philosophies around that. Um, first up, uh, I do want to remind everyone we have a big conference coming up, uh, Fuel Talk, the conference, and that is on uh, Thursday, September 22nd of this month. So uh, make sure you go to fueltalk.co to check that out, and uh, that's where you can pur- purchase tickets. Um, without further ado, though, um, Max, nice to meet you, man. Um, first off, uh, your name. So, so I, I, I thought it was Max at first, but then I saw on Facebook it was uh, Maximus, mm-hmm. which is fucking really awesome, because um, that is the name of Gladiator, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, which is one of my my uh, favorite films. So, uh, are you are you uh, Greek or? No, no, okay. I'm, I'm about as Irish as you can get. Irish. Okay. I call it my uh, Vegas stage name. Uh-huh. Um, my uh, my given name is Maxwell Jones. And uh, just for whatever reason, business reasons, it's kind of a catchy thing. I, I like Gladiator as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. Maximus is kind of a... I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It's a name grabber. It's uh, easy to search. I've got a it's baby like, on uh, the way, so maybe I'll float that name to my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Maximus. I love it. So, okay, so you're Maxwell Jones, so you're um, Irish. Um, let's just get a little intro. Who is Max? Like, uh, where are you from? Yeah. How did you end up in Vegas? A um, little bit about... Yeah. background I, I like to know a bit about um people's um background in sports in high school and stuff and yeah. like growing up so so touch a bit about that as well yeah so uh florida native uh grew up in south florida um specifically in the keys which is the very like the little dots that almost connect to cuba so those are basically a pretty southern really nice place to grow up i was very uh blessed to grow up there my folks you know had a place down there it was a very nice environment um Everything, you know, everything water related, you know, coral reefs, grew up spearfishing, a ton of stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, That's gladiator-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shooting fish, very barbaric. Yeah. No, it was a, it's a very nice, like, it's a little bit of a very natural way of hunting and doing things like that where you go through the whole process, but we can do a whole talk on that, I bet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I initially got into endurance sports in, in high school. Purely reactively, I was... Uh, I had a knee injury from middle school that sent me to gaining a lot of weight. I was probably not a very tall guy right now, but I was about four, yeah. seven, four, eight going into high school. You, I, I thought you were like the, the eighth guest we've had who said something about getting into endurance sports because of a knee injury. It's yeah. crazy. And yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of counterintuitive, funny enough, and kind of going into my industry was even more counterintuitive. I had a doctor tell me that I would never run or do sports again. Um, be, I was a very avid basketball, soccer player, martial arts, things of that nature. I actually got my black belt when I was 12. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, probably doesn't do much for you these days, but everyone's an MMA star. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I started running to, to lose weight. I had got, met a good buddy of mine that was a, a, a wrestler, and, and wrestlers, as you know, have a lot of, uh, they cut a lot of weight. They're, yeah, they they're have very conscious about the diet. Yeah. Sometimes not in the best way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and interesting enough, I, I got caught up with a buddy of mine uh, named uh, Josh, who I uh, 
essentially cut weight with him uh, uh, while he was getting ready for the 103 weight class, and okay. I was nowhere near his weight. But I, you know, again, uh, you know, learning after the fact, we probably did it the completely wrong way, and we probably survived off with of, like like trash bags on it. No, no, no not, <laughs> not that bad. No, we just uh, we were just running probably four to six miles a day and surviving off three or four cliff bars a day, oh like and growing fourteen year old. That's really not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I could have been taller at the end of all this, but I uh, <laughs> I, I do tell that story to a lot of clients and stuff about you know that doesn't mean you know you had success the way you went about it doesn't the process maybe you didn't learn the lesson but again you don't know what you're doing when you're 14 or 15 right yeah so long story short I, I lost like 30 pounds in about a year and I basically went from a four eight long long hair like wavy blondy hair uh, chunky basketball player and showed up the next year to tryouts ready to rock and I was you know obviously about four inches taller a little bit leaner you know I would probably assume the testosterone all that sort of stuff yeah you know, was, was making the shift. So I looked a lot different. Yeah. So that was a nice feeling, uh, you know, uh, that's a nice thing going into high school and stuff. So a buddy of mine said, get into cross country. And I was just like, you know, and uh, I said, okay. And initially it was just a fuel to be in really good shape for basketball. I was in a very uh, big development program to go into college okay. basketball, funny enough, um, provided I got tall enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I ran track and then had some success there in the Keys and, and, and the South Florida is actually a pretty competitive running area, um, at least at the high school level. And um, just pretty much progressed into running for a, a university called Florida Gulf Coast University. It was at the time when I said I wanted to go there, it was a Division II program. Okay. And then literally the day I showed up, everything switched to the Division I level. Nice. Okay. So we ran against all the big time Florida schools. And it was essentially like four years of a, a really getting my butt kicked with probably putting myself in a realm of mileage and volume and intensity. And it's cross country, right? Correct, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's cross country. I, I just watched, um, What's that film with McFarlane? Uh, yeah, 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 it was that's an a, awesome film. That's McFarlane. a hell of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's, it's. I it, love those like cheesy sport films, man. If, I can't if, get enough of them. If you are, <laughs> if you are an endurance athlete and you don't get emotional in that movie, like yeah. you need to check your compass. Like, yeah, right. Uh, so but it, it's a good story, um, and uh, yeah, it was just a very like a tough process. But I ended up getting my degree in uh, uh, human performance. And it's kind of a parallel degree to exercise science. That's what most people would so probably. That's the title, human performance. Yeah, human performance. Like yeah. Okay. So it was everything from like you know monitoring the strength conditioning side of athletes to some clinical stuff. Kind of got you ready for really whatever you wanted to do post bachelor's degree. So like a holistic like. A little bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit more full rounded. Yeah. You were you did know some technical aspects of the exercise phys conditioning realm, but you also. Um, you know, you did a lot of personal relations, communications with people and stuff like that. So you kind of were ready to rock with really whatever you wanted to do, right. come out of the gate. Um, and the final year led into, this is how I ended up in Vegas, was a full year of internships. Okay. So the first year I was a, uh, a strength conditioning coach for my university. So I would go to cross country practice, run whatever miles, then go right to work for the soccer or basketball teams. Okay. Nice. And then and then go run after school and that was essentially my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had an internship that uh, connected me out to Vegas with my national fraternity. I'm a Sigma Phi Upsilon member, so uh, okay. so good. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that and the national wellness director named Frank Butterfield brought me out to Vegas. Um, and long story short the internship led into opening up a concierge personal training business called Extraordinary Trainers in nice. 2012. Did that for about two or three years, and then I started graduate school um, at UNLV uh, right. for kinesiology. 
for how we connected. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did just finish in May of uh, 2016. Um, so I, I did do my thesis on some endurance related things and we can cover that a little bit awesome. as well. But uh, then I moved into more from the personal training realm to strength conditioning and um, I'm in a very interesting kind of clinic sports rehab performance facility called yeah. Anthem Fitness uh -huh. and it basically deals with the everyday athlete to professional athletes to people that don't feel so good, uh -huh. uh, that don't move that well. Um, and essentially the, the, what we do is we measure movement like we measure a ton of parameters in the endurance athletics and we essentially bring the same logic to what you do you know how we train endurance athletes to to movement okay and it's so, so someone like someone comes in mm -hmm. let, let's get like a scenario what happens someone comes in and like you have like this movement assessment Correct. almost and like you kind of score them on different things like like you would like an endurance coach would get you to do like a 20 minute test sure and do all these other things and they they point down those markers you do the same thing in terms of like someone's ability to move correct and they're like range of motion? That kind yeah, of thing. yeah, it measures that. And, and I think the best logic when we were explaining this without, you know, because terminology is what usually mo loses most people when, uh -huh. you, when you're explaining a certain concept is that, you know, an endurance coach would look at, you know, uh, an FTP test, heart rate, uh, lactate, whatever their measurements, say paces, things like that to draw, you know, a performance chart and then figure out where they need to go. Well, we sort of do that with a baseline movement assessment. We, our system uses the functional movement systems which essentially breaks down the just the baseline fact that movement is, is essentially biological. Our central nervous system governs movement and how we move is essentially a very fundamental way from birth to being a full grown adult. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's what we call competent movement. And the nice thing is we've developed a scoring system, or excuse me, functional systems, developed a system for scoring movement and we're able to make calls on, you know, potential injury prevalence, how well you're moving based on your your sport of choice, how well you should move in certain areas of your body. You know, naturally in certain sports you're gonna have asymmetries like a baseball player or a tennis right. player. You're gonna have a much more, your dominant arm is probably gonna right. move a lot better than your left, things like that. But, so, so is there like, there's, there's evidence that like, um, people's range of motions in certain parts of their body mm -hmm. will translate to better performance in, in sports? I think that the best parallel to draw is that if I make you move better, yeah. it might not necessarily make you a better cyclist, better triathlete, but you will be able to have a higher volume, higher intensity, better durability, which inherently will make you a better athlete. So it's more about like a healthy person a healthy athlete is a is a good athlete. Correct. Kind of yeah. Kind of the same with like 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 my focus on nutrition is like not really about doing this supplement or this intervention specifically for this training session. It's more about making you healthy so you can just like deal with the training load, deal with the stress, perform on race day, be mentally cog cognitive. So kind of the same thing with the movement. You just want to be like you want the athlete to be healthy so they can take on all this stress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, the baseline agreement is that we're all humans and there's no, like, I'm not a bit, like, I'll get a lot of flack for this if I post an article about this, but yeah. I believe there is no sports-specific training. Humans have the same biology. The, the fundamental how we move is, 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 is as such. Yeah. And you have to have a standardizing pattern to measure movement quality. And then based on what the, the input is or what they give you, you develop an output algorithm that, that fixes those yeah. things. And instead of it being the subjective sort of thing, we're able actually to measure that in real time, do an intervention, measure it again, and see if something changed. Because yeah, yeah. uh, again, movement is governed by the center of our brain, right. not our conscious mm -hmm. activation. 
So when people don't move very well, it's typically a, 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 a signaling issue between there and the brain without getting too technical. And if we're able to fix that in real time, then we look like a rock star. Right, right. And if the, if the athletes are able to go back out there, perform their day-to-day task and have a better quality yeah, life, yeah. then that's really what we're all about. Okay. So, so two, yeah. two things you said there that I want to touch on. So the first, um, no, uh, no tra- sport-specific training. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want to touch on is the central nervous system bit. So let's first um, touch on that no sport specific training. That's interesting to me because um, I think, you know, watching the Tour de France, um, there was a couple of articles about Richie Port, mm-hmm. who's a really successful cyclist. Um, he actually does swimming as part of his training for mm-hmm. cycling, which was like, that was kind of shocking to me. And I think a lot of other people told me that as well. They were like, oh, wow, he does like, he has a swim coach and he does swimming workouts, but all he does is cycling races. Um, so yeah, I mean, expand on that a little bit about the non-sport specific training. Yeah, I mean, I think the logic with that is, you know, cyclists by nature and some of the ones we've dealt with who have come into our facility are, are extremely rigid in their movement patterns and, yeah. and, and their ability to perform at a high level is based on that rigidity, like especially in the ankles and the hips. They're, they have to move in a very cyclic manner. Right. So if they have the rigidity, then that's a good thing. I don't think you would take a, like a high, high class swimmer and make them really good cycles very quickly because they're so mobile. They don't, they haven't developed the rigidity in the tissue mm. to do that sort of thing, or or have the uh, essentially the spring mechanism that you guys have. Right. right. Um, so, so they would they would have to, that that tissue or that muscle that makes it stable mm-hmm. would have to kind of work harder at first to mm-hmm. like do that. Whereas a cyclist is kind of like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. I can, yeah. I can stay rigid. Yeah. Or if you take a, a pure cyclist and try and take them to a running atmosphere where they have to be tall and in extension all the time versus in that flex position all the time, that's a very tough transition for people. Given that though, so so if you say that swimmers wouldn't be great cyclists, wouldn't that mean they have to like cycle more to develop that that muscle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and I, I think the, the, the main takeaway is that you have to become efficient at the movement pattern that you want to become efficient at. Uh-huh. So that's the inherent problem with triathletes is they have to do three things. Right. You know, so they're, you're, you're, you're a jack of all trades, master of none versus, uh-huh. you know, a, a very few triathletes could ever compete with a very high level cyclist or a triathlete with a very high level swimmer, or high level runner, just because from a baseline, they're not training as much in that one discipline as the total volume of the week. They're just not moving the same way all the time. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, you could look at the ITU guys with the Brownies and stuff for others that they could compete probably in whatever realm they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But that's a very small, small percentage yeah, of people. Yeah, or yeah. That are anomalies. Yeah, yeah complete yeah. anomalies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Okay, cool. And then the other thing was um, the signaling pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about cramping and the new product Hotshot, um, how, you know, cramping is a function of, like, the mind and the signaling rather than anything to do with the muscle mm-hmm. interaction. Um, so, you know, touch a bit on your thoughts about that. Well, yeah. first off, I hope that product works because it's, 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 a, it's a tough to take down. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's a, I, I remember they, they sampled it out in Hawaii last year. My girlfriend competed in the Ironman and that was a, it was like a, it was like a tough bar shot to take down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but in, in regards to the central nervous system, I think everyone can agree that um, as we develop, I always start the talk like this, when we develop as human beings, as babies, the first things we do is we learn how to go from our back and start flipping over. And, our, and, and the way that your doctor will talk to parents is they'll ask, hey, how is your baby moving? Have they started crawling? Have they gotten up? Are they kneeling? Are they standing? Are they walking? Are they running? And that follows a very linear progression process of coordination, right? You know, so parents out there that are listening, 
you know, their doctor did ask them in the first, you know, couple months of life, are they rolling over, are they crawling, are they going from kneeling to standing to eventually running and then they're off to the races. Well, everyone can agree that that takes some sort of coordination training that doesn't require any cueing from the parents and stuff, it just kind of happens. Mm -hmm. So in regards to what we do with, with people at our facility, when we talk about, you know, brain training or training the brain to do certain things, having the baseline understanding that your brain does govern movement, when we, when we are creating different movement patterns and creating different pathways, if you bring, this is tough to describe this without getting the whole talk, if you bring, a, you bring the wrong solution to helping someone move better, the input is not gonna you know, stick. Mm -hmm. So for example, like, you, know, you have really tight muscles coming in the door as a cyclist, and the old school thought is we need to stretch you, we need to give you a pigeon stretch, we might need to do this, this, and that. And maybe your solution to your problem is that you need to be able to learn how to stabilize better. That will make Kazra looser. Uh -huh. So, you know, bringing a mobility solution to what we call a stability problem. 90% of the people that have these movement issues don't know how to stabilize a certain area well. So our brain as a defensive mechanism will tighten you up. Uh -huh. Because it's much, much uh, easier from your brain standpoint to tighten something up and not allow you to be able to touch your toes. Right, right then allow that movement to happen and potentially put your bigger risk of injury. Okay. So I always say our brain is much smarter than we are because yeah, yeah. it beats us to a punch in regards to yeah. movement. So that's what we typically see with people when, you know, we might have someone come in the door who can't touch their toes yeah. and we have them do some light, low threshold core strengthening exercise and all of a sudden, like a magic trick, right, they they're touching their it. toes. Yeah. And, it's, and it really freaks people out. Huh. So that's one of the best regards to how our brain does protect us. Yeah. And once you understand that mechanism, you can reverse engineer that to help people move essentially okay. better. So I'm gonna be selfish here and do, uh, put myself in the yeah. case study for you. Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> so I've got a, uh, a reoccurring, actually not even reoccurring, it's a constant problem, like my hip, my right hip, like right back here. I'm, I, for the listeners, I'm pointing basically to my ass. <laughs> on the, like, on the right like, side. It's like this like bone, you know that hip bone right there? Yeah, oh yeah. Just like constant state of uncomfort. Like um, if I sit for too long, it's super tight. On the bike, after like an hour, it gets like just uncomfortable. Sometimes if I, if, I, if I was to go like three hours, like literally my leg would be like heavy. And mm. I wouldn't feel like I could pedal. Um, my back, it goes all up my back sometimes. Um, Cyclists so, with so, hip and back problems, shocker. Yeah, yeah, shocker. So it, maybe it's not so selfish because I think you know probably a lot of cyclists have the same thing. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, maybe some sure. few little tips for people to like maybe um, fix that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the baseline thing to always understand is you can't make assumptions on anything. Everyone's an experiment one, so you right. have to have a baseline for understanding what good movement is. So you know, I would tell you you need to get assessed. Yeah. A. Um, and, and, and identify do you have some asymmetries that are promoting that promoting that obviously tension stuff like that and then understanding that you are getting tighter or having restriction or potential pain in that area because something elsewhere in your body yeah is not doing its job uh -huh. we'll call that the dysfunction we're kind of we're going to call your right hip glute area the symptom yeah. that's what you're identifying as problem right and that's what most patients clients but that might not be the cause correct uh -huh. yeah so understanding the fact that dysfunction and, and, and uh and symptom are two different things is one of the fundamental ways to understand that when we help people move better it's almost never going after the site of pain typically um, obviously, we want to make them feel better from a pain management standpoint, and, and that's one of our more of our medical therapists and, and chiropractors deal with that. But in regards to me, once they've identified that that symptom is not the area that I'm going to go after in terms of helping them move better, then I would say I'm going to assess you. 
I would look for dysfunctional patterns elsewhere that may connect to that area and then attack those and then you tell me feedback if the symptom has changed. Right. So the rookie move we used to say is, is don't poke the bear, don't poke the spot that is already yeah, bothering yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. A massage may make you feel better temporarily, right. but did it change your, your pathway of movement in regards to how your brain does it? My simple answer may be no. Right. It might make you feel better today. Yeah, yeah. And you may pay for pay for ART, you know, needling, you know, yeah. uh, your your wife massaging it, an yeah, ice yeah. pack, you know, whatever the the million industries you know have out there. Right. But if you're not identifying the dysfunctional pattern, then that problem will come back, or it may not come back and pop up somewhere else. Right. So anything that's called you know inflammation or itisy sort of things, uh -huh. that's just a symptom bouncing around your body, and your brain is trying to come up with a compensation pattern that's not working, oh, wow. and you're just overloading that tissue, right? right yeah. So you know the baseline of any overuse injury is repetitive movement, as triathletes, runners, cyclists, yeah. swimmers. Yeah, because if I if I don't bike, it's fine. Sure, sure. <laughs> but you're you're probably not like. A functional yeah. human being yeah, yeah, yeah you know so that's something to take away is that you know by definition our sports employ uh, an overuse injury yeah. symptomless right off the bat yeah so if you're not identifying what proper movement is and, and understanding that how everything is connected not that I'm gonna attack your right hip because that's the only thing you're reporting to me is understanding that how everything ties together globally yeah. fix that stuff and then see if symptom changes yeah and, and I guess like most people's like jobs now are desk jobs so like they're sitting as well, which probably exasperates everything. And, and unfortunately, but fortunately for our industry, we're gonna have a ton of work in the next 20 or 30 years, just because of right. our industrialization of, of, I mean, we're sitting, we're all sitting right now, yeah, and we're, yeah. we're literally getting tighter as the moment goes on, yeah. because the, our brain always strives for efficiency. Efficiency and optimal movement are not necessarily the right things. So you'll see people later in life that have not moved well, they're very kyphotic and bent over. That is their brain's process for developing efficient movement, not optimal. Wow. We're born with an optimal movement template when we're born. We have a perfect manual how to do things. And if everyone who has babies know they move like little ninjas. They move perfectly. Yeah. You don't have to coach them on how to hinge or squat yeah, or pick things right. up. They will do it perfectly. But for whatever reason, we start getting older and, and it's happening earlier now these days, you know, five to eight to 10 yeah. teenagers to adults, we start moving like crap, yeah. like we do. Like our, our, our jobs, our industrialization in the last 120 years, I just read an evolution book um, called The Human Human Evolution, is, is from a movement standpoint, is, has been negative. There's been no one that could deny that, that you know, from being in desk jobs to everything like that, we are, we are chronic sitters. Yeah. We're in this dreaded 90 degrees in the hip, yeah. 90 degrees in the knee, and that's one of the worst things we can do is standing or bipedal right. movement. You know, should we just like throw away our chairs? and just like sit on the floor, stand up. Like. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, until they get to, to kids that get to about four or five, I don't think they know how to sit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Like, right. they don't, you yeah. know, until they get to like, you know, first grade, they get sat in their desk like these little robots, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then they're, then it's okay. And then we have texting, We, you know, we're there in this like bent over TT position all the time. We have, you know, desk jobs, we have things like that. And, or we have cars that do that. And mm -hmm. so we're just sitting all the time. That's probably one of the worst things we could do yeah, so long story short, I mean, there's gonna a whole nother industry has popped up for standing desks, you know, adding those things to your system, yeah. you know, uh, walking treadmill desks, and things like that. That's probably why, like, um, people are so concerned about, like, diet now, and it's like, not necessarily like, like you know, people talk about, like, carbohydrates and how they're bad and stuff, but maybe because we've become more sedentary, that's why our bodies aren't able to cope with that amount of food anymore because we're not moving as much so that's why they're probably it's not maybe necessarily the food itself but it's just the fact that we're more 
more stable and not doing as much. Well, again, taking an evolutionary approach again, all these changes that we've done to our body have happened the last, let's say, two, three hundred years, maybe five hundred years. Let's go that far. And but as a society, we were born to be hunter-gatherers. Yeah. Meaning we, we consumed meat when we caught it, after we hunted it for a right. lot of hours. Yeah. We ate grains and roots and, 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 and whatever, they call right. pa- whatever they call paleo right. these days. Not just get out of bed, grab the cereal, pour some milk in. You had to like go out and like yeah. spear, spear things. Spear things, <laughs> yeah. You had to kill things, you had to fight things. Yeah. And I think the, we've, we've become weak, if, if you will, mm-hmm. as far as from what our bodies were developed to do. And again, our brain starts for efficiency. So whenever we have an overabundance of calories, you know, I mean, you're, you're the master of nutrition. Regardless of what the overabundance of calories is, your body will store it right. as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a mechanism. Exactly. And, 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 and that's what saved us 2,000 years ago versus now when we have an overabundance of everything that's processed. Yeah. And we're sitting on top of it. You know, we're, we're, we're as far as our brain is concerned, we're extremely successful yeah, at what yeah, we're doing. We're yeah. storing calories. We're not moving a whole lot. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, like, you know, I, as a nutritionist, I speak to people and, you know, they're expecting, like, um, all just, like, kind of food tips. But a lot of the time, like, well, you know, get get up out of your desk, like, five times a day. And that's, like, that's nothing to do with food. But it's, like, well, you know, you just need to expend more energy. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's one of the basics. Okay, so got a lot on to that um i did want to speak about your race yesterday um what was it called it was uh the cocopelli um, saint it was in saint george utah it was the uh, olympic distance um yeah. the bb uh bbsc has a really great race series that's in the vegas colorado and utah area and it's probably the the, the top-notch local brand that we yeah. have for triathlon in the area and it's great for all amateurs and yeah. stuff. So, so you awesome. so you uh, top top the table for the age group, and then you got fifth overall, right? Yeah, so pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, it, it went it went well. I uh, you know you you go on these races with certain goals in mind, and then you have a, an output, and you know it is what it is. Yeah. But I did get out of the water in first, which I was really excited about. Awesome. I had a really really good swim, um, you know, and then uh, be coming into the sport, being mostly a runner and, and swimming a little bit in, back in Florida. Um, the swimming and the running tend to be my much stronger suit, mm. and the cycling, funny enough, is 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 my worst by far. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that could be just not doing it, not being efficient at mm-hmm. it, um, or just it could be a fueling issue. So that's typically if when I, people pass me, it's it's primarily always on the on bike. The bike. Yeah. 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 We were talking a bit before, and you're saying you're having struggles with the nutrition side of things, and yeah, um, hire you. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though. So like you know that that event is like. I think you said it was like two, two and a half hours, right? Did yeah, I mean, I mean, the the winner went sub two, so I went two ten yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, I mean, you know, we could argue that you may not even need anything, but it's struggling, right? Like we were saying, like the start time is seven thirty, so you don't really want to get up at like three in the morning <laughs> to eat breakfast, which would because you want to eat like four hours beforehand, right? So it is a tricky balance. Yeah. Um, what? Um, you know explain a bit about your preparation in terms of like you know what you know about functional movement and um, you know how, how you prepare your body in terms of that like what do you do differently coming up to the race and you know speak a bit about your your eating and what, what you feel like the problems might be I think people would enjoy that yeah yeah um, you know so being in the industry where it is a service-based industry mm-hmm. you do have to uh, you I, I have all appointment based hours 
So I, my typical day shift is like a 5 a.m. to 3 p.m., 4 p.m. sort of day. So um, sometimes you are eating reactively, not proactively, yeah. meaning you're just kind of fitting it in. And everyone in any, any service industry will understand that when they're stuffing a smoothie or, or something quick down their throat. I think 90% of the time I eat very well in terms of what we would consider healthy, in terms of you know, uh, not a lot of big you know, usage of processed carbohydrates or starches. I yeah. stick to a lot of greens, good meats, stuff like that. I've even gone kind of pescatarian, vegetarian at times. Okay. My, my girlfriend, Nancy Dickinson, is, eats more vegetarian, so you know, you kind of got to eat what's on the table sometimes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I would say from that standpoint, I, I nail it really well. Like I have a great, you know, uh, body fat percentage, you know, muscle tone, things like that. I think I do that, I feed the engine well from that standpoint. Right. And you but, do like uh, weight training and stuff as well? I do, yeah. yeah I, You know, funny enough, I work in an industry where you would want to promote a ton of weight training and, and stuff like that. but. Personally, I don't seem to have to do as much to get the effect I want. And the, and the main takeaway point in regard to strength training, this could be a whole other yeah. chat, <laughs> is uh, I don't think strength training makes a better endurance athlete, period. Okay. However, comma, I will say that a, a better, a more strong or durable endurance athlete will make a better athlete over time right. because they're able to uh, have a better volume or intensity or, su or sustain so that. So maybe less injuries. And Correct. Yeah, less lulls yeah. in the calendar. Right. Less red reds on your training piece, sure. whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, like, it, I, there is some argument that, you know, if I if I got you a stronger deadlift or a squat, I can increase your wattages, you know, on, on a bike and things like that. I think that will also happen if you just bike more and bike faster right, yeah. or, or lose weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but... Um, I think in regards to the strength training is it will just make you more durable in the sense of you can go do whatever your training is if you're a runner, swimmer, cyclist, triathlete more effectively and you can handle the volume load better. Right. I don't think anyone will disagree with me that you have to perform your sport more or faster to get more or faster at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I think I think I'd, some people could debate me on that. That'd yeah, be yeah, fun yeah. talk. Yeah. So, uh, but but in regards to like the race day nutrition, I, I've seen even from college have had a. A tough time keeping calories down like even to the point of getting sick like vomiting before races and stuff and it could be nerve driven it could be that my you know your your blood chemistry is way yeah. different when you wake yeah. up so i've had a really tough time yeah. of, do you get do you get calories. nervous like on the yeah, yeah yeah i think it's more of like a, a subconscious nervousness yeah. versus like a conscious like i'm nervous yeah, like yeah. before i give a talk or something yeah. like that where you're actually feeling the the flushing and everything yeah. but um yeah it's no, been, I, it's I been a real struggle in high so I, I was a rower in high school okay and like um I, the start of rowing races was like the most nervous because the start of a rowing race is so critical. Like you could like you can basically win or lose a race on the start, like because you wow. need you need to have like such a good start to get a head start. So I used to get super nervous, and I was like at the front of the boat setting the pace. And I remember like a couple of times I'd just be at the start waiting, and I'd literally put my head on over the side and have to throw up because sure. I was so nervous. But yeah, that that causes havoc in terms of like if you were wanting to try and eat during a two hour event like these rowing events were like you know 10 minutes 8 so minutes so it's fine it's like almost anaerobic yeah, yeah 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 so um, but yeah for, for you like you need to be concerned about that so yeah it's interesting and um, what have you found that's um, like ha have you like played around with your eating strategies like maybe eating less because it is only two hours like, yeah yeah um I, one of the best tips I got from my, my college coach in Florida, uh, cross-country coach, she suggested if your nerves two, three hours before are really bad, 
like set your alarm for two in the morning and, and eat something then. Uh-huh. So last or last uh, Friday night, I, I funny enough, I, I set my alarm for about two thirty in the morning, okay. and I had a Cliff Bar literally right next to my bed. And you just and, ate it, and I just ate it, and okay. I went right back to bed. And and that's something that's been. So you fell asleep, okay? Because for me, if I did that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to fall back to sleep because I, I I have a hard time enough as it is trying to fall asleep before a race. Okay. So like, but was that a problem for you or? Uh no, I I've done that four or five times. It's been pretty successful, but still like again, when you're waking up, if it's a seven thirty start time, you probably need to be up mid fours, four yeah. thirty something to yeah. get something in again. Yeah. And that's been when it's been a big challenge to get in the, you know, I'm sure you give some recommendation yeah, of what you yeah, need to yeah. have before a two hour event like that. Um, and even on the bike as well, which is when you would primarily want to do all your fueling for the, for the run, that's what you're fueling for essentially yeah. is, uh, that's been a challenge. I mean, I've, tr- I've tried a lot of stuff and, and, and I, I like, I'm waiting for someone to come up with like a little glucose patch I yeah. can slap on and then just do that. Well, I think like we touched on like the central nervous uh, system and its effects on cramp and things. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you heard, but there's research coming out now that there's like carbohydrate receptors in your mouth. So yeah. You might even find this works where you get off the Swamp bike, you just put something in your mouth, spit it out, and that will actually um, trigger something in your mind that, oh, I've got energy now where you haven't actually taken in, so you're not gonna have the stomach problems, but you're gonna have the same ergogenic benefit from from the carbohydrate, even though you haven't consumed it. So that's that might be something you could try. Yeah, is it yeah. typically liquid-based they do that You though? could do it, yeah, you could get like a, like a Gatorade s- or something. Spitting gels on people Or maybe stuff. just like, <laughs> maybe you just put like table sugar in some water and just be like, yeah. swill it around in your mouth and just spit it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for an Olympic, that will totally work. And, and yeah. one of my natural, re- my reluctance to move up in distance uh, is, is because I haven't figured this out yet. Yeah. You know, and, and there's no point, otherwise I'm gonna have a bad day out there if, yeah, I, yeah. if I don't, if I don't yeah. figure it out. So, um, you know, again, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all trial and error. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so you're gonna stick with the Olympic distance? What, so what are your goals with the triathlon? Like, um, where, where do you see yourself wanting to go with it? I, I think the first thing is enjoy myself. Yeah. I, um, you know, you, you always have some, you know, goals in reference to like performance and stuff, but really it fitting in with my lifestyle and, 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 and my girlfriend's lifestyle. And she's also a, an Ironman, she's going to Kona um, in October. Yeah, we're, yeah um, then we're gonna have it on the show. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a fantastic human being, regardless of, you know, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, my relationship with her, it's yeah. just fantastic. So it'll be, she'll, be, she'll be great to be on here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to, I'd like to clip an all-American status, I think. For I think that's a good title to have. Um, I'd like to be able to have a, you know, like a just a, a functional work-life work-life balance. You yeah. know, I think so many people get so stressed out with having these like high-level performances, and they're not really enjoying the sport. We're not right. professional athletes. Yeah. You know, I think our viewers are not all are not right. professional athletes. You know, um, that's a great mindset to have. Yeah, because you get. I mean, I was definitely bit into that. You, you get were. like obsessed. And like you just want to get better and better and better, and it becomes like just mm-hmm. it doesn't even be fun anymore. You know? like, yeah. I mean, in, in college, like my emotional value of myself for a day or a week after a race was dependent on how I did, and yeah. that's not that's not awesome. That's not yeah. healthy. Like you're there to enjoy it. This yeah. is a this supplementary. Even like life. a training session, right? You have a oh, training it's... session, go badly in the morning, your days days like ruined. Yeah, like, and and like you shouldn't be thinking like that. Well, and, and being an industry where like you know I'm in a strength conditioning lifestyle holistic mm-hmm. kind of realm. Like if I'm not in a mindset to, to in our mind frame to, to help people, I'm not as effective at my job. 
and people are paying you know big money to work with people in our facility and if i'm not there i'm not providing the quality service i should be yeah and so i you know you have to almost compartmentalize your your your, your training and the emotions that goes with that with the fact that you need to you need to be a functional human being outside of the minimum time you train a week we're yeah, not professional yeah. athletes we're not getting yeah. paid for it yeah. you know and it seems professional athletes have the best mindset approach to to literally having a short-term memory to letting the bad workouts yeah. and bad races go and that's something that probably um, yeah. i've gotten a lot better in the last yeah, couple yeah. years so so what are some of those things so, so you have like you said you've got this work schedule 5 a.m to 3 p.m um you you want to have fun and you are having fun what, what are some of those things you do like i don't know to like wind down or like mental practices like you know what? What does a week in the life of Max look like, and how how do you balance all these things? And like any any like kind of like unique strategies you use, like meditation mm-hmm. or like going to watch a movie or going for a walk and these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So the weeks typically typically uh, very caffeinated, uh, so it's appropriate. We're in a like coffee, coffee shop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just it's it's just almost like a, it's a standard. It has to almost happen. Okay. Um, Black. With milk? Uh, sometimes it? a little almond milk if I'm getting spicy with it, but yeah. typically black. Um, I'm not a big foo-foo coffee person. You don't uh, need the sugar. So no. <laughs> um, I would, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as just like in regards to like relaxation stuff, I'm a big reader. Uh, I do read quite a bit, everything from, you know, stuff in technical aspect of what I do mm-hmm. to uh, philosophy to, to, to like, I'm really gotten interested in like evolution and human evolution, wow. how we've, and how we've changed over time. and. And understanding those sort of like concepts of really helps me work with people and come and understand when I'm, we're not, when you know, I work in the health realm, but I'm not talking about exercise. Exercise is just the medium to communicate with someone to give us a, a measurement standard of yeah. what we're going to do. We're really trying to fix a system of how they're dealing with their lives. And then yeah. people in the nutrition realm, people in, uh, in, in any of those realms yeah. are, so are literally dealing with a system of how these people operate, not, yeah. you know, not the weights and reps and sets yeah. I would be insulted if someone said hey can you count my reps for me and that's the extent of your job you know yes. I, I bet our relationship wouldn't last too long if yeah, that was yeah, the case yeah. um, you know there's plenty of other people who can do that and it's crazy just how like the, the industry's become that way where people are like they'll pay 150-200 an hour to a personal trainer to tell them to do like three sets of bench press three sets of pull-ups it's like wow like, they actually think this is working yeah. yeah anyway that's a I think yeah. the, uh, the 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 fitness the fitness industry has definitely has a hierarchy system yeah. of, of, of whatnot and and sometimes the best salesperson or the best communicator is sometimes not the most technical aspect sort of thing but again at the end of the day that's not you're not going to a personal trainer for their technical expertise you're going there for because you see something then that you like yeah you, you want to create an emotional change not a you say a physical change, you say that, yeah. and that's what you'll write down on a little goal paper, but it, it's literally you, there's something about you you're not super okay with, and, and yeah. they're your answer to that. Yeah. And if that if that helps people and helps get people to change, make a change, great, yeah, yeah. you know? But there is a way to do things, I think, and, and if you're not looking at movement quality as a standard, and then developing their goals and stuff on top of that, like, you know, movement sure. quality to, to aesthetic goals, to, to yeah. the lifestyle, to mental quality of life, things like that, then, you know, I, I think you're missing the boat a little yeah. bit. Okay, so 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 co- coffee's big, reading's big. What, yeah. what else? What else? Yeah, I, I um I do a lot of podcasts. I, I yeah. listen to uh, everything from like, um. You know, like endurance. financial independence oh, okay. stuff. I I I've, I've listened Any to. Endurance sport yeah, like yeah. Endurance I've, planet. That, a little bit of that. Yeah. I actually uh, I, I thought I was going to get into one with the with Lance Armstrong. He has the one called the Forward. It's uh-huh. interesting, and he uh and obviously he has a lot of 
fluff still about his his background and stuff. But yeah. he uh, he is an interesting one where he, he talks about relates some of his training yeah. to, to some of the people he interviews yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, do podcasts a, are great. I swear, like I've learned more from podcasts than I have from like any education. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's because it delves into like the emotional connection of what they're knowing, not yeah. the technical aspect. Yeah, and we, sure. we and we remember emotion, not technical yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, big TED Talker. You know, a yeah. huge TED Talker. Um, I probably listened to two, three hundred TED Talks. Yeah. You know. Um, so hopefully a little bit of them have rubbed off on me because mm-hmm. they're pretty awesome to be on stage there. So awesome. maybe one day that maybe that'd be a good life goal to give a TED talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Based on whatever the heck I think I'm good enough to talk about. Yeah, but. that is a good life goal. That is a good to be on that stage with the red letters in the background. Yeah. 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 And, and awesome. do you know what TED stands for? They always laugh about that. It's like techno- uh, te- technology entertainment. Someone told me that. What it's, it it, yeah, it's, uh, God, it, they say it all the time on their podcast. They're like, you know, like, what does that even mean? And yeah, it yeah. actually is an acronym or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a cool app called Headspace. That's like a 10-minute... Um, yeah, I love Headspace. Yeah, meditation I, I, app. Yeah, I had the subscription. It's awesome. Do you yeah. use that then? Yeah, 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 take my money. Like, they can have that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I recommend that to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say I watch movies sometimes, but I never probably last through them all. Like, yeah, like I always fall asleep yeah. and stuff. <laughs> But uh, we, uh, my girlfriend and I, we live in Boulder City, uh, which is outside of Vegas. Um, we just got a couple tortoises, so we've been, it's very, oh, been awesome. a very zen-like experience to like have this tortoise habitat and, oh, wow. and, uh, and, and basically create an environment for them to live in, and, and we have a very desert-y, landscape-y Who, Whose idea was that? To get it, was, it, it was mine, funny enough. Well, uh, what was... Yeah, I we have a dog. We have a dog. We have a dachshund, and 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 and, and, and so he's a, awesome. A normal pet. Yeah, we have a normal pet, and then uh, you know we you know we're in the desert. We do see you probably have seen tortoises on a, on a bike yeah. or a hike or a trail run sometime, and they are there's an adoption agency because I guess they're endangered. Oh, wow. So um, you can apply for that, and then um, some of our one of my clients um, uh, had five tortoises, and, and they get and they laid eggs. So you've got uh, two tortoises. Two tortoises. What are their names? Uh, uh, Quentin Cassidy and Misner. Um, okay. If you've ever read the book Once a Runner, they're the two protagonists in the book. It's uh, but um, it's a fictional story about these guys who are trying to be the world record holders in the mile. So what are you pro- How big? Tortoise, like yeah. Like, no, yeah, no. They're half the size of your hand right now. They're babies. Like okay. they're like this big right now. Oh wow. So they're a pain in the butt to find because even though they're in their so habitat, like, have they got like character and stuff? Like I don't know if they've gotten that far yet. One seems to be a little bit more of like an escape artist, and like yeah. it's it's literally been like this interesting way of like giving the getting these things to stay in their fence because if they get out in our yard, like they're they they can yeah. be gone. You yeah, know, they're yeah, they're yeah. literally maybe a silver dollar size right now. And they're and they're and they're fast. I know people laugh about yeah, yeah, yeah. you know tortoises, and, like, yeah, yeah, sort of thing. And uh, but they they if you like let one crawl, they'll be hundred feet in a couple minutes. Oh, wow. So that that's your yard. They're gone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been kind of a fun. And what do they eat? Yeah, they eat like a lot of the desert flowers. You give them lettuce, uh, spinach, uh, all, you know, vegan, non-GMO, all that good stuff. <laughs> and uh, and uh, cool. Yeah. So it's been a fun little project. Um, my uh, Nancy gardens a little bit. I can't even act like I even help her. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. she's doing that. Um, but yeah, we. That's awesome. kind of our thing, you know. Awesome, man. Um, no, that was great. We touched on some good topics there. Um, anything else you wanted to um, touch on? We're gonna put. We're gonna put all the links to like your your Facebook. We'll put Anthem Fitness links up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the things you spoke about, like uh, some of the books and. Um, 
maybe you should send me a picture of your tortoises. You can put, <laughs> put those yeah, on the yeah, yeah. We probably have those. Um, um, that, how, do, how do people reach out to you? And if, if they want to come get an assessment, um, you want to just like close with that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the best way to get hold of me is uh, either through email is probably the best outlet, or you can visit anthemfitness.com. Uh, my my personal email is max at anthemfitness.com. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're an endurance athlete in general that is having some sort of nagging injury or something that affect that, you may have seen the PT or traditional rehab route mm -hmm. where they're treating it more just like a symptom and that symptom is a problem and not looking at the global dysfunction, uh, um, then and maybe we can help you. Yeah. And the off-season coming up, so perfect time. Yeah, perfect time to kind of fix yeah. some of those things. And even if you're just a, an athlete that's doing well but just wants to be more proactive, which you know, we, we like proactive athletes right. versus reactive athletes. Um, that's something we can help you with and do a run a functional movement screen or something that effect on you. Or if you want to do some strength training that maybe will add or be more supplementary to your, to your endurance outlet, we can obviously help with that as well. Um, awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, Max. Well, thanks very much, man. Thanks, man. Uh, we're going to go on a little ride, maybe. Sweet. Yeah. So Sore. thanks, everyone. Um, we'll be back next week. And again, make sure you come to Fuel Talk Thursday, September 22nd. Peace.